Excited about our new series of messages. We're going to be studying Genesis chapter 37 through 50, and we're going to look at the life of Joseph. I love this kind of preaching. I get to go into the Word of God and get to study it with you, and also to get to study one individual. And so many chapters are dedicated to this one man, the man Joseph with the coat of many colors. Thank you, Corey, for that. Uh, uh, for the worship guide. Do you see the worship guide in the front? You get it? You see the coat of many colors? And today we're going to look at his life, and uh, in order to understand Joseph, we're going to have to do a little background study and look at his father, his brothers, his, um, his homeland. You know, whenever you study someone, it's always very important to take a few minutes and look at the Germans call it the Sitzenleben, the situation in life, where from whence they came. And we're going to get to do that today. I would submit to you today at the very beginning of this series of messages. I don't know how long it's going to take us, church. Hope you're not in a big hurry. Maybe 20, uh, not 20 minutes, 20 sermons that we will study. Hey, listen, if I did 150 on Revelation, surely uh, we can do 20 on, on the book of Genesis. Wasn't quite 150, but… You know, what constitutes a great man? What constitutes a great woman? Um, the world has a definition of greatness, and it usually goes along, well, what Webster defined as great, which would be preeminent and powerful, diligent, assiduous, prominent, rising to the top. And all those things are, they are important. I, I don't mitigate that. But how does, how does God and how does the Word of God define true success or true greatness? Uh, David Aiken in his book, The Great Souls, and in this book he traces the life of six people that he would classify as great. This is what he said about it. He said, I have always personally been inspired by great people. It is hard not to be energized by the stories of how individuals, and listen carefully, how individuals have risen above adversity or suffering, or they have maintained a purity in the face of great temptation, end of quote. And I think he is right in line with Scripture as it defines greatness as those who are faithful, uh, those who are persistent, those who are obedient to God, even though it may cost them greatly. Uh, when I was in seminary, my, one of my favorite professors, a man by the name of Roy Fish, Roy Fish used to teach us, he said, listen, if you want to be great men and women of God, then you need to read great men and women of God. And so I started basically a hundred years ago in seminary reading and studying the lives of great people. And I highly recommend the discipline uh, to read history, to read biography and autobiography. And most of the times it's people of the faith, men and women, heroes and heroines of the faith. But sometimes it's just like Vince Lombardi. I mean, you know, I, I like to read about great people. And so last night I started I mean, why? I don't know why I picked these books that are like this thick, but th this book is huge. It weighs more than I do. This is a large tome, a huge book on Vince Lombardi, and I was up late last night just, just reading, and, and the author does a masterful job. Basically, he says, in order for you to understand Vince Lombardi, you need to understand, you need to understand Harry, his dad, and you need to understand his mom, and the mom was one of 13 children, and it begins there, and it's just fascinating. So that's what we're going to do with Joseph. We're going to study his life, his background, his history, and actually we're not going to talk a whole lot about Joseph per se today, but we are going to get a good grip of who he was as far as his family, his heritage, his lineage, his background, okay? So Genesis 37, I invite you to turn with me. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, 
as we study this great man and uh, his history. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger. This is the history of Jacob. Now Joseph, Joseph being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah. And by the way, those were his father's concubines. Those were not his wives, really, but they were more like his, his wives' maids' servants that Jacob the father slept with. You're like, well, whoa, wait a minute, that's twisted. You mean the great, one of the great patriarchs of the faith was a polygamist? And he was. Well, does God condone that? Does God think that's okay? Absolutely not, but God did allow it, and we see it even with David, we see it with Solomon, we see it with many of the great men of the faith of old that they were… Listen, that was never God's intention. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says in Genesis, and Jesus quotes in in, um, Matthew, for this reason a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his what? Wife, singular, not plural. So, in order to understand Joseph and some of the difficulty he experienced, you need to understand a little bit about his background and his father and his four wives. He mentions two of them, didn't mention Rachel and Leah, it just mentions right here Bilhah and Silpah. His father's wives were concubines. And Joseph brought a bad report of his, <laughs> of his ten brothers to his father. Now Israel, now by the way, Israel is another name for Jacob, okay? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, Jacob had 12 sons. At this time, he only has 11 because Benjamin had not yet been born, okay? Joseph is the youngest of the bunch right now. And Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. Time out! Guys, dads, don't do that. (laughs) That is not wise to show favoritism to one of your children over the other. It creates seeds of discord, jealousy, disharmony, and even in this context, it can even create the seeds for murder. So it says Jacob or Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic or a coat of many colors, multifaceted colors. He gave it. Can you imagine that? I mean, dads, you got all the boys together and say, oh, hey, Reuben, and, and hey, Judah, hey, guys, how are y'all doing? Hey, Joseph, come over here, Joseph, and stand in front of all your brothers, because I want to give you something. It's so special. Excuse me, Reuben, get, get out of the way. Here, come here, Joseph. Look at this beautiful coat of many colors, and I'm giving it to you. Now, how do you think it made them siblings feel? I mean, they were angry. They were jealous, even to the point of rage and, and murder, Okay. Say, boy, this is interesting. Sounds like my family. Okay, well, let's keep reading. (laughs) But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they rejoiced exceedingly for Joseph, and they were so happy for Joseph, and they loved him more and more. That's not what it says. It says they what, church? Hated Joseph. And they, look at this next part. They could not even (laughs) speak to him. They could not even speak shalom to him, peaceably to him, because of the father's uh, favoritism. When you read in the book of Genesis, I love the book of beginnings. I love reading about our first parents, Adam and Eve. I love reading about Enoch and Noah, and of course, come on into Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But look, 
church of all of those great patriarchs and fathers of the, of the faith of the Hebrews, there's only one that God would dedicate this large narrative to, and this is him. This is the life of Joseph. We pick him up when he's about 17 years of age. What I want us to do today is I want us to look at his background. First of all, I want to look at Jacob a little bit more, his father's passivity, Jacob's passivity, and then take a few minutes this morning as we create the context of our study, the background, if you will, the history. I want us to then look at his brothers and their evil progression as they, if they moved literally from anger, then they moved into jealousy, and ultimately they hatched a plan to murder their own blood half brother, Joseph. So let's look at Jacob's uh, passivity for just a moment. Now, this is a very incredibly dysfunctional family, okay? You think you come from a dysfunctional family. This is a very problematic situation. The the dad has four wives simultaneously. And and guys, some some guys think, man, wouldn't that be cool? That's not cool. You, You do not want that. I mean, polygamy is not the way to go. So, well, I just want to move to Utah and do like all the Mormons. No, you don't. Go talk to some of those people. Interview some, some of what their family life is like and the hatred and the seeds of discord that is sown into a family. Listen, when we jettison and when we abandon God's plan and we create our own plan, our plan is never as good as God's plan. And God has a perfect plan of one man, one woman, one life with their children in a harmonious familial relationship. Well, l- let me read to you Genesis 35, 22 through 26, because here's Jacob, and it will mention something that I want you to take note of in the context of this family feud. And it happened when Israel, that's Jacob, dwelt in that land that Reuben, now Reuben is Jacob's oldest son, he went and had sexual relations with Jacob's concubine, Bilhah. You say, wait a minute, this is rated R, Brother Dan. I don't don't know if we should be talking about this. Listen, the Bible talks about it, and let me tell you something real quick. The Bible gives us humanity's good, bad, and ugly, so that when we study it, we will know examples to emulate and follow, and we will also know examples to avoid. It's not like Islam, when you just try to create Muhammad in a great and a positive light. That's fictitious. That's fabulistic. I mean, that's, that's mythical. Because no, nobody is perfect except Jesus. And the Bible just presents it, I mean, and that's, that's ugly. You cannot get around that except that is ugly. When the oldest son sleeps with his father's, one of his father's wives, and Israel heard about it, verse 22. Now watch what happens. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. In other words, he didn't do anything about it. He's talking about a passive father. He is passive to the core. He doesn't even rise up and rebuke Reuben until way later on in his life. Now, here are the sons of Leah. Here's wife number one. This is Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, and Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. Does these names ring a bell? These are the 12 tribes of Israel, all right? And these 12 tribes of Israel, they're going to hatch a plan to kill Joseph, and yet God still is going to intervene in this and bring beauty out of this calamity. Aren't y'all glad that God is a God of grace? And God can take some twisted ugliness of sin, and He can remedy it. He can give salvation, and He's going to raise up a person to bring that salvation in Joseph. Now the sons of Rachel. Ah, Rachel. 
Now that is Jacob's favorite wife, okay? This is the wife he labored for for 14 years. Remember that? Laban, his father-in-law. And so the sons of Rachel were Joseph, all right, and Benjamin yet to become, to born. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maidservant, okay, so he slept with her and had two sons. That would be Dan and Naphtali. Here's one more. And the sons of Zilpah, remember her? Read about her a moment ago. Leah's maidservant, he had Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. So as we look at uh, Jacob for just a few moments and some of the mistakes he made, I, I don't want you to think that Jacob was altogether worthless because he wasn't. I mean, in many ways, he was a, he was a man of God. And I, I've got some positive traits of Jacob here. Some of his strengths were he believed in God and followed God, even as Abraham and Isaac before him. He was a man of prayer in Genesis 32. He's devoted to God. He gives his tithes. Uh, Brother James Cross, here he is. He gives his tithes in Genesis 28, 22. He wrestles with the angel of God. Y'all remember that? You're brushing up on your Old Testament history for just a moment. Remember this? He wrestles with what many believe, the pre-incarnate Christ. I mean, he is wrestling there with God, the angel of the Lord, and he grabs him and he says, I'm not going to let you go until you what? Anybody remember that? Until you bless me. That's right. And we mentioned his strong work ethic served his father-in-law Laban for 14 years so he could marry Rachel. So he's not altogether bad. It's just that he's not a very good father. He is a passive father. And it's going to come back around to hurt him greatly. One, one commentator says this, it is Jacob's own doing, the gift of the coat that will ignite the smoldering of resentment against Joseph. And he goes on to say, it is fair to say that nobody really in chapter 37 exhibits noble character, including Jacob, whose exaggerated favoritism aggravated the enmity that the half-brothers already exhibited. What one writer pointed out, and I didn't really realize this till I was studying this again, that not only when Jacob said, here, Joseph, you are my favorite, and I'm giving you this coat of many colors so that you'll be distinguished among all, many people read into that, that when Jacob dies, it's real clear who the favorite is, and it's real clear who is going to get the lion's share of the, anybody? The inheritance. Oh, listen. You want to see family feud, you want to see fights, then you start talking about inheritances and wills, and somebody's left out of the will. I tell you, it can get ugly. It does get ugly. I'm, I'm talking about blood brothers and sisters when, when there's money involved and when there's favoritism involved. I mean, it, it is a garden of dissension. And out of that garden is going to be some crops of disaster. And so we're learning today from a negative, a negative example. Three of these negative examples, I want, I want to give you these quickly, J Jacob's passivity as a father. First of all, uh, you may not know about this one. Dinah, his daughter, was raped by a man named Shechem. And by the way, all this is in the Bible. I'm not making this up. I mean, the, the Bible is very graphic. Uh, his daughter, Dinah, was raped by a man named Shechem. Her brothers avenged her abuse by, I mean, devastating, slaughtering the men of Shechem. Chuck Swindoll, in his book on Joseph, points out something very interesting. He said, you know, Jacob's response was very interesting. He was not so much upset about his daughter's rape 
or his son's brutal revenge. No, he was more concerned, Jacob was, with how this would look upon him. Not so much concerned for his daughter or his son's behavior, but how, and Chuck Swindoll is only he can write it, quote, his public relations with the rest of the people in the land, end of quote. Number two, passivity. His oldest son, Reuben, as we talked about, slept with his concubine, Bill High. He didn't say anything about it. How do you not say something about that? But he waits till the end of his life. Then number three, the third example of paternal passivity in the chapter that we are studying is chapter 37. We're going to look at verses 13 and 14. It should come up on the screen here. Let's look at this. Now Israel said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will, and I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. And this is Joseph. He is very obedient. I think Joseph may be a little bit arrogant at this point in his young teenage life, and it'd be hard not to be, really, because of the favoritism and the blessings that his father gives him. And, and he's a little bit arrogant, I think, but at this point he's very obedient, and he says, here I am. Then he said to him, please go, Jacob says, go, my son, and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he sent him to Shechem. Mistake. That's a mistake. Shechem is 50 miles north of where they are living. He's 17 years of age. His father, surely he, he's not that ignorant. Surely he knows that there is some seeds of discord being sown among the brothers. And yet Jacob, he's not a very involved father, and he sends him uh, on, his, on his way. So dads, I just got to speak to us for just, just a moment. Would y'all let me speak to you dads for just a moment? 5,000 years ago, he was passive, Jacob was, and it created a very difficult time for his family. Let me back up even before that. Go back to the first dad recorded in Scripture, and that was Adam, was it not? And Adam and Eve are in the garden and Eve is tempted by the serpent, and the serpent seduces Eve, and Eve takes the forbidden fruit, and she eats it, and Adam's there the whole time, and he doesn't do a darn thing. He doesn't step, Mike, Mike, he doesn't step up and say, Snake, I'm going to rip your head off, leave my wife alone. He doesn't do that. But he's passive, and I tell you guys, I, I hope I don't sound too harsh what I'm about to say is, Dad's passive, Dad stinketh, all right? It just... It, it's not good for you to sit back. And, and let, can, let me just say this to you. Listen, ladies, if y'all have a dad that is obnoxiously involved in your life, you need to thank God. Excuse me just a minute. Amen, Brother Danny. That was a good, that was a good word. That's a good word you just gave us here. No, seriously. If, if, I, I, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. I wish I was more active when my daughter was 16 years of age. Because I was naive and I trusted the young men in the church that they would treat my daughter with respect. Because after all, they were young men in the church. They were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and when they took my daughter on a date, they tried their best to get her clothes off and have sex with her. And these are good church boys. 
And, and man, oh man, I wish I could go back in that and just save my daughter some of that and just say, let me, let me interview you. Let me, let me die. Let me go get this shotgun and threaten you with an inch of your life. I wish I'd done that. Ladies, if you have a dad like that, praise God. Praise God you got a dad like that. Because that's a dad who's not passive. That's a dad who is interested, who's, man, he's concerned. He loves his daughter. He, he doesn't trust them, them boys. Even if they're in church, he's going to interview them. Listen, you date my daughter, you better treat her right, or you're going to have me to talk to. And the 20 gauge, or 30 alt six, or whatever it is that I'm carrying back there. Passivity, I hate it. I don't, I don't want to be a passive father, and I don't want to be a passive dad. Okay, number two, let's look at these brothers. It, it's, it's bad. Let me just go ahead and tell you, it's, it's, not, it's not good. The brothers' evil progression. First of all, in verses uh, four and five, they hate their brother. All right, did you see that? But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And the word hate here in Hebrew, it means to hate to the point, almost, almost to the point of exhaustion, that, that you're, 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 you hate them to want to kill them, to take their life. Now, Joseph had, uh, had a dream in verse 5, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated, they hated him even more. Verse 11 says, look at this, and his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Come on, Jacob, do more than keep it in mind. I mean, the brothers hate him, and verses 14 and 15, the dad sends him on a mission to go check on the very guys that hate him. It's just not good parenting. That's, that's withdrawing. That's almost like, well, good luck to you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to leave you on your own for this. But let's talk just a minute about jealousy. These brothers were incredibly jealous of Joe. It, it, it's, the, um, it's the green-eyed, anybody? Where are you? It's the monster. You know, I was reading, I think it was in Proverbs, it says, yeah, we can stand, withstand many things, but who can withstand jealousy? That monstrous emotion where, like, <laughs> Penny Hardaway, <laughs> watch this this week, he, he was so jealous of Kobe Bryant because Kobe and Shaq went on to win three NBA championships in a row, and he didn't win any. And he said, I just seethed with that. I hated that. I hated the success that they were experiencing because that should have been my success. And he just, he didn't realize it on TV. He just was green. Just, he was just all ugly in greenness, just like you and I. Raise your hand. Be honest with me. Raise your hand today if you have ever been jealous of somebody else. Okay. Those that didn't raise your hand, liar, liar, pants on fire. That's, that's what you are. No, we, we all deal with it. Don't, don't you just love the Bible? I mean, the Bible is amazing. Who said, Brother James, who said don't preach the Bible? It's boring. That's the most amazing dynamic book I've ever read. I mean, this is interesting, interesting stuff. It strikes us so forcefully, I believe, because it exposes the tender, raw nerve of pride, right? Well, let me, let me tell you about another family. This, this is not good, but let, let me tell you about a true story. Some of y'all are going to have to go home and look this up because you're not going to believe me. I just know you're not. You're going to say, that's, that's not true, but it's true. John O'Groats. Literally, his name was Groot. <laughs> Every time I hear that word, I laugh. Groot. So, John O'Groats in 1489 traveled from Holland to Scotland to the northernmost 
part of Scotland. He was one of seven brothers, eight brothers, and they fussed and argued and fought perpetually. So John O'Groats, true story, said, I'm going to figure this out. There's so much jealousy, there's so much hatred and dissension. Man, we, we can't even get in a room without somebody getting angry at the other brother and saying, well, I'm in charge. I don't care if you're the oldest. I'm the smartest. Well, I'm the best looking. He goes, okay, stop. Here's what I'm going to do. And he did this. You say, well, what did he do? He built an, I, I can't, I don't know if I'm saying the word right. I know how to say octagon. Octagonal house with eight entries, eight doors, eight windows, and eight sections of one table. You know why? So that they wouldn't fuss. I mean, you got to be kidding me. That's what he did. And, you, and, and today, you can go, it's tourism in Scotland, one of the famous places that people like to go is John O'Groats because there's a hotel built there, and, and they say that the house is no longer there, but it used to be built right there. And he built an octagonal house so the brothers would not feud. I think that's pretty crazy. But I have brothers, and it's not so crazy, you know? I know how we used to be. I mean, we used to fight and fuss and argue and just, parents, let me tell y'all, God bless you. You'll live through it. You really will. Sibling rivalry is, is, listen, I've got scars literally on my face where we used to hit each other, scratch each other, punch, until I got saved. And when I met the Lord, I loved those rascals more than any. Another sermon. Thank you, Brother Mike. I'm actually listening. I appreciate that. Look at the word jealousy with me for just a moment. Anybody see a, a root word in there? I guess that's a suffix kind of word. What's the word in jealousy? Lousy. <laughs> Amen. It is one lousy emotion. And unchecked, it will create havoc in our families, on our teams, stay with me, in our businesses, and even in our churches. So let me, let me give you, and I'm about to finish up, but let, let, let me give you some, some how to deal with jealousy, just like you would with any sin, okay? Let, let me give you just some things to, to jot down. First of all, how do you deal with this raw emotion of jealousy, this pride which is at, at its root? First of all, admit you got a problem with it, and admit it to God and say, God, I am, I am sorry. I have an issue with jealousy. I am um, jealous of her. I'm jealous of him. And Lord, I, 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 it's wrong. Number two, confess it as sin to God, and Lord willing, confess it to the other person. Let me give you some scriptures at this point. 1 John 1, 9 says, confess your sins to one another. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John, uh, James 5, 19, here it is, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Uh, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me give you another one I've memorized. You say, why do you memorize all these? Because probably I have to do them. Okay? Proverbs 28, 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Okay? So admit it's sin. Number two, say, God, I, I, I'm sorry, and I ask you for your forgiveness. And number three, this is a Good one. Listen, this is, this is good. 
Thank God for what you got instead of moaning on what you don't have. Just thank God that He created you the way He created you. You know, I got over this a long time ago about not being six foot six, but I, I, I just think God should have made me six foot six. I think that would have been wonderful, don't you? I mean, you would have a much taller pastor, and, you know, and God says, no, because if I make you six foot six and you've got just a little bit of athleticism, you're not going to preach, you're going to want to play sports, and that's true. Because I was decent at five foot six, but can you imagine me? Six foot six. And God says, you wouldn't be as hot as you think you are. But I, I got over that <laughs> long ago. That, that, that's okay. Well, well why, it's, it's really okay. Being at peace within your skin of who you, listen, God made you the way he wanted you to be. And for you to be jealous of someone else is telling God he made a mistake. Is that not right? God, you made a mistake because he has more money than me. Or he lives in that house and I don't. Or he has that job or my word, he don't even work. What's up with that? He didn't have a job. And Lord, here I am slaving over this and that. Don't, don't do that. Just say, God, thank you that you made me the way that you made me. It had been hard for the brothers, but they could have said, God, it's cool. Joseph's our brother. And uh, he does have your favor on him. Certainly has our father's favor. That's cool. But it's okay. Listen, had they done that, they never would have looked at him with such hatred. They never would have envied him, and they never would have done number three, and that's try to murder him. And that leads us to number three. The third reaction of the brothers' downward slide in evil is verse 18. Look at this. Verse 18 says, now, when they saw him, that would be Joseph, afar off, Remember, Dad sent him on this mission to go give me a report. I can tell you what the report, it's going to be a bad report. I mean, it is. I mean, the brothers are just bad. And, and the dad's got to know they're up to mischief. And he's sending Joseph out there. Now, when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they, the ten brothers of, of Joseph, the sons of Jacob, conspired. They hatched a plan against him. Look at this. I wouldn't believe it unless I was reading it. Surely they're not going to be so low as to, and they're just killing, to kill him. And next week, we'll just continue on and look at the plan and what actually happens. You know, I read a verse this morning, and in my quiet time, I always, <laughs> always love reading Proverbs in the morning. It just sets my day right. And, and Proverbs 17, 6 says this, Children's children are the crown of one's old age. And the glory of children is their father. And the glory of children is their father. Now, I don't think Solomon's denigrating motherhood in any way, because he's going to have a whole lot to say about how great it is to be a mom and the influence of being a mom. But guys, for right now, guys, won't y'all just stand up for just a minute? Let, let me address y'all for just a minute. Men, men of God, would you, would you stand up for just a minute? I need to talk to you. Just, just mano, mano for just a minute. Ladies, check your emails or your Twitter or whatever y'all need to do. But, but man, just, just look at me here for just a minute. I'm the glory of children 
He's their father. Now, some of you are fathers. Most of you standing are. If you're not, please, please remain standing because one day God just might bless you with that. And ain't that the coolest thing to have kids? Some of you all got grandkids. Somebody told me the other day, dude, you just have no idea how super steroid cool it is to have kids. I mean, it's just like fatherhood on steroids. It's an amazing thing. You love them, you spoil them, and you give them back. You just give them away. But guys, can I challenge y'all and challenge me for just a moment to, to not be passive dads, to be active and involved, especially in the life of your daughter. Would y'all, would y'all help me with that? And if you're a granddad, listen, would you help me with this as well? Because I hope to be a granddad. I'm like, Hannah, hurry up. Y'all get married and let's go. Let's get going and have some kids. She's not here today. I can, I can say that. And Jeffrey's not here either. I can say that. But man, I'm just looking forward to that day. And I want to be a godly granddad. But some of you guys, raise your hand if you have daughters, would you? Just raise your hand. My word, that's all most of you have daughters. I'm going to pray for you right now, and then we're going to have our invitation. And maybe in a moment, some of you may want to come to the altar. I don't doubt some of us have made mistakes, and we just need to ask the Lord to help us and forgive us. And, uh, but you know, here's, here's the cool thing about God. God says, I, I forgive you, now let's go. Isn't that good? I forgive you, now let's, let's go. Let's get going. And confess it, I'll forgive you, and now let's be a better dad. Let's don't be passive, and let's don't, let's don't get into the, the, the jealousy things of other dads. Let's just be the men of God God's called us to be, and, uh, and watch what God does in our families. Lord, thank you for these men standing today. I, I appreciate them. Lord, thank you that they're here. What a great testimony to their wives and to their children and grandchildren. And most of the men in this great city are doing many other things, but not these men. These men are in church, and I commend them, O oh God, and I thank you for them. And I pray that more than anything else from this message today, they will hear me say, God bless you. Thank you for being in church today. Thank you for trying to be a man of God. Lord, would you bless them, especially bless these men that have dads, Lord, thank you for the Word of God. It, it, it gives these warnings, these signposts to say, don't, don't do that. Don't ignore. Don't pass over. Don't be a passive father, but be active. Be in, now, have reason, you know, within reason. Don't, don't be obnoxious just to be obnoxious, but, but to love and to, and to care and to meet with your daughter and talk to her and talk to your son. Because the glory of kids is their dad. I didn't write that. That is the accurate word of God. So men, I bless you. I'm praying for you now in Jesus' name. That God would bless you to be the great men, fathers and grandfathers, and even great-grandfathers that he has called you to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Now ladies, why don't y'all stand with us? And we'll have our time of invitation. Maybe some of you need to come to the altar and just pray. Maybe you want to pray with your daughter. Shoot, that's all right too. Maybe just take your daughter by the hand and just come to the altar and just pray with her and encourage her for, for a minute. Let's do that. Brother Terry, won't you lead us? And we'll have our invitation.